The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Tax Day, folks. Is it a happy day if it's Tax Day? I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We are talking all things taxes, all things trade. Japan's top trade minister is set to be in Washington, D.C., Plus, President Trump headed to suburban Minneapolis this afternoon. He was in Al- uh, he was in Congresswoman Ilan Omar's neck of the woods, and he uh, he had Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin with him in tow. The latest on what he had to say with an all-star panel. Plus, Mayor Pete Buttigieg he throws his hat officially into a crowded Democratic primary field. We'll get the latest for what that means for 2020. From Kevin Walling, a Democratic strategist at uh, also at HG Creative Media, and Maddie Duppler, senior fellow at the National Taxpayers Union and former coalitions director for the House Republican Conference. The images coming out of Paris are absolutely devastating. Thankfully, there have been no reports of casualties, but uh, these images have really captured the world's attention as the Notre Dame Cathedral has been engulfed in flames from the inside. Uh, no terrorist terrorism is, is not a, a suspect. Uh, we should note that the Notre Dame Cathedral began construction in 1160 and ended in the 14th century. Uh, and the fire began in the structure of the monument that dates back to the 13th century. It's 850 years old. It's one of the most popular tourist destinations in the world, and it's a massive fire is ripping through the Notre Dame Cathedral in central Paris. It toppled the spire of, again, the 850-year-old Gothic monument and has left France as well as Catholics around the world. This is Holy Week uh, in in a state of, of absolute uh, morning. World leaders uh, pouring in their responses, lawmakers as well. And of course, uh, all of our thoughts uh, are with the people of, of Paris and, and of course uh, of, of this, of the Notre Dame Cathedral. It's terrible, terrible images that, that we're seeing now broadcast worldwide. We will bring you the developments for that as they happen. Uh, and I'll pivot now back to domestic politics because Uh, President Trump, for his part, also offering his condolences via Twitter, as well as the First Lady Melania Trump also sending her condolences via Twitter. Uh, He was in Minneapolis today, suburban Minneapolis, on tax day. 
And he took it as an opportunity with Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin to tout the Republican tax plan. It's why I'm so thrilled that we have our wonky panel with me for the hour. Kevin Walling is a Democratic strategist at H3G Creative Media. Maddie Dupler is a senior fellow at the National Taxpayers Union and former coalition's director for the House Republican Conference. And and Kevin, I take it that you're going to tell me that Republicans should not be campaigning on a tax plan on tax day. But I want to play for you what President Trump had to say earlier this afternoon. Here's the president. Thanks to our tremendous tax cuts, the biggest, Minnesota families are saving more than $5 billion on their 2018 tax bills. $5 billion. So President Trump clearly saying, Kevin, that this is something that has helped boom economic growth as well as provide economic confidence to consumers. Your response? Yeah, I couldn't disagree with the president more. I mean, you look at uh, some recent CNN polling, the vast majority of Americans on this tax day uh, have either seen no change in their taxes uh, or actually their taxes go up. So 32% of Americans are seeing an increase in their taxes. 40% have seen no change. And only 25% have seen their, their taxes go down. I think that's due in large part to uh, the the changes in the withholding nature of of the tax system. So uh, you know I don't think this is a winning issue for the president. The majority of Americans don't see the benefits of that tax bill. The one percent and and corporations do, but of course not. So Kevin, you're of course talking perception. Let's talk reality okay, on the but ground. When we say Kevin, we have to say <laughs> we Kevin have to say Walling. Kevin Walling. <laughs> so we'll do last you know, names here today. <laughs> we allow all Kevins on the show. Equal opportunity, equal Kevin. Opportunity, Kevin equal Kevin. opportunity. So here, here's the thing. And if you saw the New York Times piece today, they did a great job breaking this down, which was articulating exactly who was benefiting from the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. We know four out of five taxpayers actually got a tax cut. You've got 15% of taxpayers who are pretty much held harmless by the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, and then about 5% of taxpayers were the ones who saw their tax uh, bill rise. A lot of consternation over the past couple of months with tax filing season. We've seen the conflation between your tax refund and your tax liability and whether or not those two are the same thing. Spoiler, they are not. Your tax refund is just an interest-free loan that you've given the government over the course of the past year, and getting that back doesn't make you any richer or poorer better off. It's just the money you didn't get to invest or save over the course of that year. All right, let's come up for air because we dove into the weeds. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what I want to say. Kevin, Kevin Walling, a Democratic strategist, what you're hearing from Maddie Duppler is essentially Republicans want to cut your taxes. Democrats want to raise them. In the era of democratic socialism, and we're going to get into <laughs> I'm serious. No, it's not a laughing matter. In, in the era where you have democratic socialists running for president, it, it, in, in a general election matchup, I mean, ultimately, in suburban Minneapolis, where the president was today, or suburban Philadelphia, where I grew up, which has swung to the left in the in the last midterms, but in terms of the, the independent message, Republicans, Secretary Mnuchin, President Trump, they've they say, game on. Let's have this debate every single day. How do you respond to that debate? I, I respond by the reality on the ground with these individuals paying their taxes. You know, in the lead up to the 2018 midterm elections, this president was campaigning with Kevin Brady saying that they needed another round of tax cuts because they weren't performing for middle class Americans. Those middle class Americans moved heartedly flipping 40 seats in these midterm elections based on economic standings, based on health care. And I think that is going to be a winning issue for Democrats in 2020. They're not seeing that money 
return to their pocketbooks. I think if you are thinking about the economy and thinking it's going to be good for Democrats in 2020, most of the economic data is starting to indicate that might not be the case. I mean, you have Goldman economists this weekend saying that there's more likely than not chance that Trump gets reelected, in part because of the economy and also incumbency, of course, helps. Uh, but you also had uh, uh, the uh, the IMF meeting th- this weekend mm-hmm. where there was discussion about how a lot of the externalities on global growth have been resolved. U.S.-China trade is about to be resolved. The outstanding feature here is European drag, but the American economy itself is still ticking along. They don't expect now a recession until 2021. And that's good news for, for, for anyone up for re-election in either party. You mentioned the IMF. You mentioned Europe. And, and European drag. Tom Keene, my colleague at Bloomberg Surveillance, mentor of mine, you know, he is locked eyes on what's what's happening in Europe. And in fact, what we've seen happen in Europe earlier today with how uh, the European Commission, uh, as well as Europe, uh, the top trade commissioner for Europe, Cecilia Malmstrom, has said she's going to give the green light for, for Europe and U.S. trade talks. But they are absolutely so worried about auto tariffs, mm-hmm. so worried that the president will be critical of the World Trade Organization or to rip up other trade agreements. And it's not just the Europeans who are concerned about auto tariffs. It's also the Japanese, no? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we, I think, in Washington have been considering for some time that once U.S.-China trade is resolved, the question is, what is next for this administration? We know that President Trump wants to be able to make a statement on the relationship with the EU. The last time he had a dialogue with the EU was last July when Juncker was here, and they said they want no tariffs, uh, no trade barriers. But there's been no discussion ever since then. And it was ever a bit s- of an awkward meeting. <laughs> that Rose Garden meeting, you know, where everything there. seemed rosy and fine. But now the next step... The next step of posturing for the administration is that they want auto tariffs specifically targeted uh, at the European Union. I'm hopeful this president will take a different tone. I mean, in the past, he's demonized the European Union. He's demonized our partners in Japan, even though that prime minister has spent so much of his own capital trying to pony up to this president. I'm hopeful, you know, that Japan is the third largest economy in the world, that we can work something out. I don't think it's yet a done deal with the Chinese. It's certainly not a a done deal with NAFTA, too. Uh, with uh, the Canadians and the Mexicans. I think we need to get North America in line first before we pivot to the EU, before we pivot to Japan. I was reporting on Bloomberg Television earlier today uh, from the White House uh, all about the different trade fronts. And it's impossible to cover the U.S.-Europe trade talks, the U.S.-Japan trade talks, without ignoring, Kevin, as you mentioned, the the China, the, the massive shadow that this has cast over uh, the uh, over the other trade fronts that, that we're facing. Now, uh, to some extent, the president's rhetoric within the past 72 hours has signaled that he might back off on some of the enforcement mechanisms uh, that he has discussed, most notably on keeping tariffs in place, potentially to make sure to ensure that the Chinese continue on with their uh, agreement, whenever that agreement will be. The two, the bottom line, though, is that the president's thinking is that there is he prefers bilateral trade agreements, which is why you're seeing bilateral trade talks. But there's been a multilateral response, and that's why you're seeing the criticism of the administration on trade policy, which is why aren't the U.S. and Europe ganging up on China together as opposed to not? It's an open ideological debate, but it's a fascinating <laughs> debate to have nonetheless. The Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris has caught fire. But we are following the breaking developments uh, tonight. The Associated Press 
is reporting that the structure of the Notre Dame Cathedral has been saved and the fire has been stopped from spreading uh, to the northern portion of the uh, cathedral. Uh, The AP is also reporting that prosecutors believe the Notre Dame fire started accidentally. This uh, following horrific, horrific, crushing images uh, of seeing the the spire, the famous historic 850-year-old spire collapsing as the entire frame of one of the world's most uh, visible uh, symbols of not just France, but of Catholicism, of unity worldwide on this Holy Week for Catholics is set ablaze. Uh, thankfully, there have been no uh, fatalities yet to be reported, and there is no reason to believe that the blaze was not accidental. Again, uh, the, Associated Repre- the Associated Press reporting that prosecutors think that the fire was started accidentally. The thoughts, prayers pouring in from lawmakers here, the president, the first lady, as well as international Worldwide, uh, French President Emmanuel Macron has canceled a planned speech as well. Uh, here domestically, the president also offering uh, his condolences. He was in suburban Minneapolis earlier this afternoon on tax day. We were talking about taxes, about trade policy, also to discuss immigration, key developments over the weekend. We have an all-star panel with us for the hour. Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist. Maddie Duppler, Republican strategist, senior fellow at the National Taxpayers Union and former coalitions director for the House Republican Conference. And I want to welcome into the conversation Jorge Lima. He's the senior vice president of policy at Americans for Prosperity, uh, a conservative think tank here in town. Uh, And Jorge, I I want to play for you a clip from White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders about President Trump's threat to bus illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities. And this is something uh, that has obviously captivated debate in U.S. politics. And White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders was asked about it on ABC's This Week. Here she is. Doing it in a full and thorough and extensive review. The president likes the idea, um, and Democrats have said they want these individuals into their communities. So let's see if it works and everybody gets a win out of it. Okay, Jorge. I mean, why all of a sudden has this idea been been circulated and, and, and boiled up into the, the national dialogue? Thanks, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here on the show with all of you today. I mean, it's, it's in the the weekend news and all this rhetoric because of politics, right? And this is just another example of where the immigration debate continues to fall victim to, quite frankly, both parties using it for political gain rather than really talking about the significance that immigration plays in our country and trying to bring folks to the table to actually solve it. Rather, let's sit here and talk about wins and talk about getting points um, and making it all about whether someone was doing something for political gain or not. That's a sad part in the reality of why we haven't seen significant changes to immigration reform for nearly 30 years now. OK, but is this a realistic idea? Because I think most people hear it. They, they, you know, they see the president tweeting about it. They hear it in his rhetoric. And, and the idea of busing undocumented immigrants to Nancy Pelosi's district Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi's district, or, or to sanctuary cities. I mean, the images of that and what that conjures up, I mean, it, it, it is quite vivid, for lack of a better term. I mean, it's vivid. The, the truth is we've been 
busting undocumented immigrants to different cities throughout the country, past administrations as well. So that does happen. The fact that maybe now they're going to be bus to specific sanctuary cities, um, in particular, more over than others. I mean, it's, it's real. It can happen. Do you think this is the type of approach that the administration should take? No. I mean, I, I think we're, we're talking about um, immigrants that are human beings, and we're, again, making them fall victim to the p- politics of our own country versus trying to figure out how we can truly address what's happening at the border. Um, and immigration writ large, it doesn't, immigration is an issue that happens across our country every day, not just at the border. Why aren't we having discussions about why immigration is important to our country and what we need to do to fix that system so that everybody, not just immigrants, but also those of us who are here, can benefit from immigration? Jorge Lima is the senior vice president of policy at Americans for Prosperity, a conservative uh, group here in Washington, D.C. He has previously uh, served as strategic policy advisor to Luis Fortunio, governor, the former the governor of Puerto former, Ri- governor. former governor of Puerto Rico. Uh, and he is a member, or he was also an associate at Holland and Knight. Pretty big law firm. <laughs> you might have heard of it. Um, but 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 in terms of where the the immigration debate goes from here, last week on Capitol Hill, I was struck by this. The president's chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, Jared Kushner, he they were up on Capitol Hill meeting now with Republicans with Democrats. Did you? I missed this. By the, way. I almost missed it. I didn't miss it. But I was like, <laughs> I misread the headline because I was like, wait, they're meeting with. Democrats and actually Senator Dick Durbin, Democrat, Illinois, comes out of the meeting, tells reporters, you know, he didn't essentially say there's no way, no how going to be a deal. He was a little pessimistic, but he was it wasn't a no. But I'm very curious how the administration, Jorge, when rhetoric is so important, how they expect to get some type of economic major manufacturing based immigration, manufacturing backed immigration deal through when these are the types of images or with with this type of debate it's like pouring gasoline on a wildfire well it certainly doesn't help right we keep we keep seeing that we take steps forward on the immigration debate and then quickly fall right back behind ourselves because it just it's so tempting for folks in elected office to use immigration for political gain well go ahead no, and so that's, I mean, I, I agree with you. We're optimistic. It's great when you see folks like Jared trying to have conversations on behalf of the White House across the board. I know that he's hosted several convenings in the White House that really had a broad spectrum of views on immigration. We think that's positive. We think that's where it needs to go. The more that the uh, parties keep talking to themselves about immigration, the least likely likelihood we're going to have of actually coming together and trying to get something done. Who's talking to Stephen Miller? Oh, there's plenty of people talking to Stephen Miller. But, um, but real question, who, sure. who, who, in the, who in the moderate wing of the White House and the Republican Party are trying to bring – because when, when you look at who has the president's ear on immigration, it would appear that it would be Stephen Miller, especially when you see the tweets, you hear the rhetoric, you, hear, you see the president at the border and, and whatnot. Look, the truth is we, we differ with Stephen Miller and some of his views mm-hmm. on immigration. He should be in the room because if at the end of the day we're actually going to try to put something forward – the fact that he gets excluded means that we're just going to continue to rile up folks who are going to oppose whatever happens. Let them be in the room. Let's make sure we have a debate that includes different points of view so we can get something that actually gets some sort of support once it passes. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. The debate is already on the campaign trail. Democratic presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke, he was in South Carolina on Saturday, key battleground state, uh, and, and he was talking about the issue of uh, immigration. Take a listen to Beto O'Rourke. The genius of those who've now found a home in this country um, will be manifested in those communities. The great things that these migrants, these asylum seekers, these refugees are going to do, the jobs they'll work, the jobs that they will create. That was Congressman Beto O'Rourke, former Congressman Beto O'Rourke. By the way, he's going to be in Virginia on Tuesday and Wednesday, Northern Virginia, I believe, on Wednesday, campaigning uh, for president. Uh, We'll have much more of the 2020 race coming up on the show. Jorge, the the Hispanic vote for the Republican Party is is crucial in a primary. But but Hispanic voters, like many other constituencies, are are packed with independent voters. Is Is this White House at risk of losing a key part of the swing vote given if with Hispanics if they continue to, to, to take this rhetorical approach that we've seen when it comes to busing immigrants to sanctuary cities. I mean, I think both parties are at risk of losing the Latino vote, right? You're, you're looking at folks who continue to use this immigration thing almost as a carrot, and there's many in the Latino community who are just frustrated. They want to see something actually fixed. They don't want to continue to either hear promises or hear threats. They want to see someone who actually says, let's work on this issue. Let's make it something that we can come together on. Look, what Beto just said, there's a lot of truth to that. These are human beings, and by and large, immigration is good for this country, and they bring a lot of contributions, not just economic contributions, but across the board. They can help communities. They are the ones who bring different types of ideas, allow all of us, again, not just the immigrants alone, but those of us who are here, also be successful and lead more fulfilling lives. We believe that there's the ability for them to help all people live to their full potential, not just the immigrant, but those who are here as well. Jorge Lima, first time on the program. <laughs> first time. Hopefully first... not last time, but we'll oh, see. Oh, good. I was, I, what, if he, what if he was like, and the last? Like, <laughs> storms off. Like, Jorge is the senior vice president of policy at Americans for Prosperity. Breaking news tonight. French President Emmanuel Macron speaking in Paris. He had canceled a planned speech. This as the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris has caught fire. No casualties, no fatalities, and authorities believe that this was started accidentally, but the spire engulfed, collapsing uh, world leaders all over the world, President Trump, the First Lady, uh, members of both parties here domestically, offering their condolences. It is believed, according to investigators, to have started Uh, accidentally. And uh, French President Emmanuel Macron saying that uh, there are still difficult hours to come. He says that the structure portion of the Notre Dame Cathedral has been saved. And he says that the worst, however, at the cathedral has been avoided. There were some concerns and fears earlier this afternoon that the entire structure would collapse. Uh, That has been avoided. Firefighters have been able uh, to to respond to this scene of an 850-year structure 
to save the largest portion of it, but the iconic spire engulfed in flames collapsing earlier this afternoon during Holy Week. Uh, this is a symbol not just for France. It's not just one of the, the biggest tourist attractions in the world. It, it is, of course, an important Christian symbol uh, and one for Catholics as they uh, mark uh, Holy Week. And French President Emmanuel Macron telling reporters as we speak, quote, we will rebuild Notre Dame. Here domestically, the president also offering his condolences. He was in suburban Minneapolis earlier today to tout the Republican tax plan on tax day. This as trade developments domestically also occurring uh, with the Japanese economic minister set to be in Washington, D.C. this week as trade disputes around the world involving the United States continue to intensify. We were talking about immigration earlier uh, with an all-star panel, Jorge Lima, Senior Vice President of Policy at the Conservative Americans for Prosperity, Maddie Dupler, Senior Fellow at the National Taxpayers Union and former Coalitions Director for the House Republican Conference, and Kevin Walling, a Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. And, and actually, I was struck by how this is already beginning to impact the Democratic primary, 17-plus presidential candidates, one of them, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who threw his name into the race. Uh, and he was asked about the wall. He, of course, is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Uh, and, and, and Jorge, I want to play for you what uh, Mayor Buttigieg said regarding the wall. Here's Pete Buttigieg. We are here to say that there is a lot more to safety and security than putting up a wall from sea to shining sea. So, Jorge, I know, I know that what your argument is is that immigration debate is much more nuanced and deserves different political rhetoric, but this is the political season. This is the Democratic primary season. And those type of taglines and how they play with independent voters, this is the battle for the future of U.S. immigration policy. Well, I mean, I think that's more evidence, again, that folks want to see this issue and use this issue, even this conversation, right, about how it's going to impact 2020. We've got... 18, 19 months until the election. Are we really going to do nothing on immigration for the next 18 months? I mean, why can't someone ask? If they're trying to appeal to independent voters, I know the ones we've spoken to will say, well, what are you going to do before that? Why is why do we have to wait another 18 months? And then maybe, depending on how things look in January, hopefully get something done. Why can't there be something done now, this idea that we're still talking about a wall from sea to sea, I mean, even the president has walked that back. Let's move forward in the conversation rather than keep coming back to what is a good soundbite. Well, Jorge, to your point, we're not waiting 18 months. We're waiting 30 years, right, <laughs> since the last time we had yep. comprehensive immigration reform. You know, you saw with the president, and sorry to sound like a broken record here, but I think that there's something instructive about the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, which is that it was also a generation since we had last reformed the tax code. But taxes are kind of part of the Republican lexicon, right? Like, there was a familiarity here. Republicans don't have that. Democrats, I think, have a little bit more consensus as to what their immigration position is, but Republicans have not really fostered one for the last several years when it became an issue that people actually vote on. There's so, no consensus in the Republican Party on immigration. So, yeah, so that was my question to Jorge. Do you think there are points that could emerge as a consensus? Because to me, that seems to be the point where you need to start before you can talk about what can get done in Congress. Absolutely. And I think we would look at the model from criminal justice reform. I think many people thought that that was never going to happen. Nobody really understood what they were going to be doing on it. And yet you found the places, as to your point, of consensus. Right now, 
everyone agrees that dreamers need a solution, right? Why can't we focus on dreamers and decide, hey, let's move something forward? Maybe not everybody, but at least enough to get something passed. Like you can figure out something on dreamers. You can figure out something on border security. Now, whether or not folks want to actually go into that, particularly leadership folks, right, who will find it very against the, the wind for them to want to do this right now in a time that's, you know, so getting ready for elections. But it can happen. Again, nobody thought up until the day before the First Step Act on criminal justice reform was going to get passed that it actually would get passed, but it did. And listen, to Jorge's point, we're not that far away from consensus in the United States Senate. Let's not forget that they passed a comprehensive immigration reform package just five, six years ago, led by Marco Rubio, a Republican from Florida, uh, and led by the Democratic leadership. We had a bill on the floor that was passed by the United States Senate. Paul Ryan and the Republicans in Congress refused to bring up a vote on that bill. And we're not that far away from that if we brought that legislation back to the floor. But now we've got Nancy Pelosi who's running the House. So the question is, what would her conference tolerate? And Jorge, you said, you know, we have consensus on dreamers. That might not be the case. We brought up Stephen Miller earlier, and there was a question of whether or not he's running immigration policy in the White House. The president bristled at that uh, suggestion when he was asked by the press pool when he was getting on uh, Air Force One. He said that, listen, there's one person who makes immigration in this White House. That person is me. So if Trump has decided that there's consensus on dreamers and maybe even border security, he still needs a coalition to get that done. Well, I mean, to your point, I mean, there's people who've literally made references to the Stephen Miller, Jared Kushner debates in the White House, uh, referring to it as Game of Thrones and who's going to outwin who. The truth is the president is the one who sets the immigration narrative and sets the immigration policy under this White House. And he has said that he does want to find a solution for 1.8 million dreamers and grant them citizenship. He has said he wants to see legal immigration in this country at the largest numbers ever. I mean, we need to, yes, there needs to be a coalition that allows for folks who are willing to go there a space for them to be able to speak about this and not think that they only lean talk, only talking to the folks in a 2020 mindset. Panel stays. It's getting heated on immigration. I got to be honest, though. The votes just simply aren't there. There is no consensus as we speak within the Republican Party, especially in the House of Representatives. And in a 2020 cycle, the president is not about to take a left turn on immigration and work with Democrats. He's going to have to listen to that base or the Ann Coulters of the world, as we saw a couple of months ago, are going to to absolutely come after him. But Jorge, I mean, I also have to be honest here. You mentioned Game of Thrones. I've never seen an episode. I've literally never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. I hear about it on Twitter. Never seen an episode. Breaking news tonight that we are following. French President Emmanuel Macron saying that, quote, we'll rebuild Notre Dame. This, as authorities have been able to save the largest portion of of the cathedral and in fact uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral that has been engulfed in flames for several hours now, an 850 year old structure, the world famous spire collapsing engulfed in flames. Authorities do not believe that this was uh, that this was any type of terrorism and that they believe that it was an accident. French President Emmanuel Macron speaking within the last half hours calling uh, on world's talents to rebuild the Notre Dame Cathedral. President Trump joining world leaders as well as lawmakers on uh, in Washington uh, to offer their condolences, to send their condolences to France, uh, to Catholics. Uh, this is, of course, Holy Week. And this was such a symbol for so, so many uh, people of all faiths around the world. Here, 
Uh, I'm Kevin Cirilli. I'm Bloomberg's chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're talking about trade policy, immigration policy, taxes on tax day. The president was in suburban Minneapolis. Uh, he was discussing the Republican tax plan. Pete Buttigieg, have you heard of him? Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, the uh, South Bend, Indiana mayor, officially making it official and saying that he is now a Democratic presidential candidate. Fascinating personal backstory. He is the first openly gay presidential candidate to declare to run for office. He has served in the Navy as a naval intelligence officer in Afghanistan, previously working at McKinsey, a bit more of a centrist than the likes of the Democratic Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders running. Kevin Walling is a Democratic strategist. Maddie Dupler, Republican strategist. Jorge Lima is a senior vice president of policy at Americans for Prosperity. Kev, talk to me about where Mayor Pete fits in quickly in the crowded Democratic field. Yeah, Kev, I've been a fan of Mayor Pete, you know, going back a decade when he first ran for. Uh, state treasurer of of Indiana, I think he's he's carved out an interesting niche right now in, in terms of engaging millennials. He's as you said, thirty seven. He's an uh, an Afghanistan war veteran. Uh, he raised seven million dollars out of the gate in the first quarter. So serious, you know, there's serious momentum and enthusiasm behind his candidacy. He's running third in both Iowa and New Hampshire, and it's really interesting to see. But how does he beat Biden? How does he beat uh, Beto? I mean, how does he separate himself from a crowded field? Sure, I think there's an age narrative that's you know going on. He's 37. Uh, Joe Biden's uh, going to be 77. I think Bernie Sanders is going to be 78 or around that age. And I think there's an interesting contrast on that debate stage to see youthful energy, excitement from the Midwest in this country. He's rebuilt his city. He didn't move to uh, the coasts. He came back to his own city, rebuilt it. His announcement was in a former Studebaker plant that was closed in the 60s. He's brought back his city. It's going to be an interesting optics on that debate stage. Yeah, he's got to convince Americans that he can magnify a small town economic message on a global scale. It's one thing to be the mayor of Chicago, New York City, or even Los Angeles. It's another to be on a small scale. Beto O'Rourke's going to be making a swing through Virginia tomorrow and Wednesday. And then we get to Thursday, Maddie Dubler, Republican strategist, Mm -hmm. and Mueller Thursday. We're Mm -hmm. getting the redacted version of the Mueller Mm -hmm. report on Thursday. Yeah, and Holy and, Thursday. Holy Thursday. Holy Thursday. I was just say that. Holy, holy Thursday. Thursday. But the thing to remember that because it's Holy Thursday is that both chambers of Congress are out. There no are, one's going to be there. No, no one's here. There's a vacuum to be filled. I suppose the Mueller report will finally fill it. I, I'm so tired of this storyline. I know that it's a little bit uh, premature. Premature potentially, but I think that it's great to have it out there. I think that it should be delivered quickly so that we can continue to move past the Mueller report or whatever the dramatic narrative is uh, that Democrats want to talk about to get back to the issues that people actually care about. You know, we mentioned Mayor Pete, the Midwest wants to know about Indiana and these small cities that have recovered from economic malaise over the past several generations. The president wants to be talking about that. That's for sure. Uh, I think that it's time that we move past the Mueller report. Jorge, what's on your radar? You've got less than a minute. Make it quick. Well, just adding to that point, right? There's going to be a vacuum because folks won't be in Congress, but there's no shortage of media microphones for all these elected (laughs) officials out there. So this will still be making the waves. I think, look, it's important to remember that a more open government and a more informed citizenry is good. But what are they going to do with this report? Is it just going to keep feeding this outrage culture or not? Outrage culture. Outrage wow. culture. You know, this is a positive program, Jorge. First time on the show. I want to thank you for coming on, as well as to thank Kevin you. Walling and Maddie Dupler. That's it for me. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.